0: Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, by now, everyone's been playing probably a ton of Ikoria because we're all stuck inside and there's nothing to do except play tons of Arena. Okay, so I've got a brand new guest to the podcast, and uh, we're going to talk about his past, present, and future in Magic. Please welcome new guest to the podcast, King Omni.
1: Thank you for having me on here. And yeah, I've been playing probably way too much Ikoria Uh, (laughs) as of both the release, the uh, pre, pretty much the uh, creator's uh, ability to uh, get a preview of it. I've played so much Ikoria.
0: Exactly. That's that's how I found you in terms of, hey, here's another streamer that's in the event, and let me reach out to him. And I'm so glad that you have uh, that you were available for it. So uh, let's give the, the listeners a chance uh, to find out where to find you. Can you self-promote or talk about any sort of streams and stuff you do?
1: Uh, sure. So um, I do magic streams, and I'm also going to be starting my cooking streams mm-hmm. uh, on the same channel. Uh, Twitch at King underscore Omni, that's K-I-N-G underscore O-M-N-I. I Mm -hmm. I do tweet uh, quite a bit, and I have actually two Twitter accounts. I have my normal one, which is Carpe underscore Omnia, K-A-R-P-E underscore O-M-N-I-A. And I have my judge account, which Mm I'm a magic judge. I'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Is at Vaporwave Judge.
0: Oh, cool. You might be the first judge that's on the show. I'm trying to think back. I know that I've had a lot of people at various levels of magic from like just started two months ago to like been playing since beta. But I don't recall anyone mentioning that they've been a judge. I'm sure there's been at least one person because I've done like 70 episodes now and it's you know, my brain is mush. But, you know, I love all my guests, but I just I can't remember every single thing about them. But that's really cool that you're a judge. How long did it take you to, to become
1: one? Um, I began learning how to judge back in, I believe, 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. and I passed my L1 test in 2017, March 26th, I believe. So mm-hmm. I've been a judge for three years now.
0: Okay, cool. So I've got to then do the final boss challenge question. Can you explain banding in two sentences? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you passed. <laughs> no one can explain banding in a paragraph it is it's not happening
0: exactly i was talking to a guest recently saying they should have for modern horizons um or maybe even that one um uh you know magic 25 set they should have put one banding card in it and of course the text box would have just been full of the explanation of it and
1: nothing else the judge is on with it. We don't. We don't need to be tortured like this.
0: <laughs> There's plenty of other things that are doing it at the moment. I'm sure, like companions. So we'll talk about that eventually.
1: <laughs> oh boy, will we?
0: Yeah. So yeah, I'll put your links in the description of the episode so people can uh, go check you out. So like you said, um, you've been playing a lot of Ikoria since the Early Access streamer event. Let's give Wizards a little shout-out for uh, letting both of us be on that. Thank you, Wizards, for giving us access to the thing, and I hope you keep doing it.
1: Yeah, I super appreciate that from Wizards. That was a a great opportunity to put out some content, be able to show off a lot of the new cards, and Mm -hmm. thank you, Wizards, for that. And I hope to be on the next one, which who knows what... Yeah. I actually know what that, that will be. That'll be Core 21. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the Teferi Core. I definitely want to be on that one.
0: Yeah, they've been uh, kind of teasing that a bit, right, that it's going to be a new Teferi focus set. So let's see how that goes. And crossing our fingers, uh, let's see if they invite us back for the next go-round.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get all my cards, my blue-white cards on Arena to those nice and uh, special mm-hmm. versions so they're yeah. all shiny and everything. Exactly. That's what I'm ready for.
0: So, yep. Uh, everyone's playing so much magic nowadays because we can't go out to our local card shops or even to our friend's house to play safely and such. So do you have any positive words, any uh, any tips, advice, uh, any self-care regimen that you want to uh, give to the listeners while we're in this pandemic?
1: So uh, one thing that I know I've been doing is um, not just uh, social distancing, but... Mm-hmm. Just because you're social distancing doesn't mean that you have to, like, stay up, cooped in the house, like completely just driving yourself insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the, at least I know in my state, we are allowed to at least, like, go outside, go for a walk, mm-hmm. um, catch some fresh air if we can. Usually me, I do it late at night because there's no one around and it's uh, actually a lot nicer at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I've been doing is i actually been getting into yoga, so mm-hmm. I'll usually stop playing Magic for a little bit, like just take a little break, and then I'll just do some yoga. It's actually really refreshing, too, and I encourage a lot more people to start doing it.
0: You're the second person that's mentioned it recently. I've been having a little bit of lower back pain recently because i do a lot of uh work on uh, on the computer and i've just been sitting way too much and then of course there's magic to play so i might uh try that out as well just some stretching or some like real yoga and uh i think i've got to get into it because being cooped up and just doing too much computer work is not so good on the body
1: oh yeah um as someone who's worked in the it industry for years and constantly just working at a desk, it does take a toll on your back. So mm-hmm. I would definitely suggest it.
0: Very nice. Do you have any uh, suggestions like on, uh, like sites or YouTube channels or something for me to check out or for the listeners as well?
1: Honestly, it's just whatever floats your boat. There's since there's nobody really going outside, there's a lot of exercising things going on online right now. Mm-hmm. It's just whoever fits your meal. Hmm. I personally have been doing a uh, DDP yoga oh, okay. uh, because I'm also a uh, pretty avid wrestling fan, and I've heard about his yoga regimen, and I absolutely mm-hmm. enjoy it.
0: So, I I heard about him when he was on well on his uh re- yoga regimen. I heard w- when he was on the uh, I don't know if you heard of the podcast. Uh, I think what's it called nowadays? But it was a Scarborough Country. Uh, those comedians. Uh, those twin comedians he was on their podcast and he started to talk about that that like you know i've got this version of yoga that like you know a lot of guys or like tough guys are like i'd never do yoga but look here's my version of yoga and it's still really going to be good for you and it's uh it's it's really recommended
1: oh yeah it's nothing to like just scoff at it's definitely yoga that is going to it definitely helps Mm -hmm. like it's nothing just like oh well it's just yoga and, like, just stretching. No, this is actually some tough stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll look into that.
1: Like, he definitely uh, lets you go at it at your pace, but once it starts picking up, it picks up. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about your magic history. When was the first time you played any form of magic?
1: So, the first time I played any form of magic was a conspiracy draft, like conspiracy one, mm-hmm. but I didn't fully understand what I was doing or how <laughs> I got into it. And then I merged more into it with kinds of Tarkir. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine uh, took me to a pre release, and it's been history since then.
0: So that was like definitely like thrown to the wolves wasn't it because first of all it was a draft and second of all it was a con- it was the first conspiracy draft with like extra like meta cards beyond normal draft right so mm-hmm. how did you feel about that about like the the difficulty or the complexity or the interestingness of it all in that very first draft experience
1: It was very confusing at first but I was with a lot of very experienced players who were able to mm-hmm. help me through it mm-hmm. Uh, basically show me the ins and outs of it, tell me about uh, colors and such, and it definitely helped me get more comfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Afterwards, it was just like, okay, well, I want to play like another version of Magic. Mm-hmm. And a friend was like, hey, well, come to me with uh, during draft. and Well, not draft, uh, pre-release. And the first pre-release, I actually didn't understand how pre-release worked. Yeah, um, I thought it was just like, okay, you have to keep winning and keep playing. So after my first match, I like just left because I didn't realize uh, it was Swiss.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, someone um, got, got a few buys, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, afterwards, I the more I learned how to play it and the more I actually got to interact with our local Magic community, just the more I stuck with it. And now here I am, mm-hmm. years later, just continuing what I've been doing for almost six years now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 2012, 2013 or so is when those sets were out.
1: I believe uh, it was 2014. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, it's uh, yes, of came in right after M15.
0: Oh, okay um so when you look back like through nostalgic lenses would you say that cons of tarkir was like the good old days you know how it seems like everyone that when they first start off playing magic they have this nostalgia for when they started no matter like the power level or or whatever of the of the set so would you say cons is like your classic set or uh, Khans is
1: definitely a classic set um i started off in a very high power level set hmm. um i know a lot of people complain about uh Siege Rhino, basically <laughs> rocking that set over and over. But nobody complains about the real menace that was in, which was Pearl H. That was huh. the card that I hated the most. Because <laughs> it's pretty much like the best finisher that Control had. Just flash in the lizard, and you just constantly get beaten down by it. And what can you do? Yeah, exactly. And Perilous Vault also, the next offender. Mm-hmm. Just... Uh, instead of a board wipe it's a board exile and i didn't that was pretty much like if i'm playing against control i have to deal with these two cards and there's nothing i can really do to stop them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: now if memory serves so narset first appeared in khan's block and then she hadn't appeared in a while and then now she came back for war of the spark and then also in ikoria does that sound right has she been in any sets besides the khan's block
1: uh, she was in the last part of Khan's block, which was uh Dragons of Tarkir.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh she was the blue yeah, she was a blue white planeswalker, and she was not great.
0: <laughs> well now she's so good. Well her part of her Vale's version is so good that she's restricted in some formats, right?
1: Uh, I believe so. Uh she the war version is so much better than the uh dragons version, and the new version is actually pretty good too. Like she's She's definitely seeing some play, and she's has some really good abilities on her, too.
0: I really only see her as, like, a mono-blue planeswalker, just because I wasn't playing during Khan's block. And I just know her from War of the Spark, and I just see her there as the ubiquitous mono-blue planeswalker. So then to see her in uh, Jeskai colors, or actually, what are we are supposed to call it nowadays? Raugrin, or whatever the, the name of the Triome? Um,
1: yeah. It's still Jeskai because she, from the uh, Khan's uh, uh, storyline, she was in the uh, Jeskai clan. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's still pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. Same colors, just a different name.
1: Mm hmm. Well, so, that's that's going to be a thing that happens throughout Magic history. We're going to have the same. Probably Abzan won't be Abzan anymore. It might be something else. Yeah. Yep.
0: It sort of feels like the two color pairs, though, have really stuck. Like they haven't. Wizards hasn't really created alternate names for that but there's been alternate names for three colors for wedges and shards at least once or twice right
1: yes uh it's mostly with the uh con stuff too it's like the three colors that are part of the cons block have always changed names the Hmm. uh three colors have been part of the um the other blocks i can't think of the name of right now Ben and grixis those have never changed
0: oh okay I'm always so i'm I'm still pretty bad at like the three color names. I can rattle off the two color guild names and such, but I always have to think a little bit about the three color ones. and then now that they're calling them with the new Ikoria names, well, it's even more to remember and to forget,
1: oh yeah, those are pretty uh, difficult to remember at the current moment, but yeah. Who knows? Maybe it might just be a generation theme. Maybe the new generation of Magic players can easily remember them uh, yeah. over the con names.
0: Exactly. So a little bit about... On my side, I uh, first started playing uh, Magic back in the 90s, back in 1995. So 95 to 99, I just missed all of the powerful stuff. So I don't have any Black Lotus. I don't have any Power 9. I don't have any of that. But my sets from you know my nostalgic point of view it's all about fourth edition and ice age so cumulative upkeep that's why i made the joke earlier about banding because that's that's (laughs) what i was playing back in the day and uh i gave it up for a long time from about 99 to 2017 so i got back in after hour of devastation and since then i've been i've been back
1: oh wow Mm -hmm. the hour of devastation was also a pretty fun block i um i definitely enjoyed um how everything was said for that. And I enjoy the storyline most of all for that uh, set.
0: Same here. Like I, in 2017, I still had all my old cards from back in the day. They were all beat up, of course, because we didn't have sleeves, but I still had them and I I took them out and I sort of kind of got the bug again about playing with them. And I saw that the game was still around and people were hashtagging MTGHOU. And so I had to ask someone, what, is that even, what does that even stand for? And they said, well, it's the new magic set, Hour of Devastation. So I started to look into it, and the game was still around, and I had the nostalgia for it, and so I bought my first booster pack at the local Target, and then I put a video up about it on my YouTube, and then I I had uh, local people at the college um, that, were, that had a game group, and I brought out all my old uh, cards, my Dredge Skeleton deck, and all of that, and uh, it uh, it got me back into magic, and then all of these youngsters started to uh, teach me the the whole uh, the whole game again, where I was asking everyone, "Well, uh, what about mana burn? And what about this? And what about that? And just had to get reacquainted with the game. But surprisingly, so much of it was still intact.
1: Hmm. I think uh, also from that set, um, I actually have a really good memory from that set too. Uh, my first pre release of that said I actually opened a masterpiece mm. uh choke. <laughs> and um I immediately I was like, I'm not gonna play this card because it just wasn't what I was playing at the time. And someone was just like, I will trade you that card right now. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. And then the next night, um played another pre release and open another masterpiece. Oh wow. So the first one was a choke, and then the second one was a thought freeze.
0: <laughs> Did you end up playing that one?
1: Oh yeah, uh, that one was definitely Carlos playing.
0: Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen any of those in real life, but whenever I see those online, they—I know people, you know, don't like the readability of it, I guess. But I think the artistry of it, the artisticness of it, is like pretty amazing. How do you? What do you think about that? Like way over so... the top aspect of it.
1: I... I can understand like the um, not liking the text for the uh, card name itself or what type of card it is because it is definitely difficult to read. Mm-hmm. But I do like the art of it, and I do like how the border is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just pretty much if they only would have changed the font, then it would have been absolutely fine.
0: I think so. And if you can't read the magic card, you know, not everyone has every every card memorized. And so definitely when you're playing against someone and you have to you have to do a double and triple take to even read the card, that that's not fun. So I think yeah, just changing the font would have improved it.
1: Oh yeah. Um, but that's pretty much how magic is. Yeah. Yeah, There's gonna be some hits and misses.
0: Yeah. So perhaps the latest hit is that we are now in a new age of digital magic. Magic Online has been around a while, but Wizards has developed their newest, flashiest version of it, Magic Arena. So how long have you uh, been playing Magic Arena?
1: I've been playing Arena since beta. Mm-hmm. So I've pretty much been in it from yeah, Dominaria beta. Mm-hmm. And I've had my account set, reset pretty much twice. Yeah. Um, the first, the first time it was, uh, the accounts reset, uh, cause we were opening up the beta a little bit more and then the counts reset again, we're opening up arena pretty much completely. Yeah. So I've been playing this for quite a while.
0: Same here. I remember though those wipes, you know, accumulating so many great cards like uh my my most favorite combo. Uh, you know, I'm such a jank player, but my favorite combo was the Regal Caracal plus Anointed Procession combo. Well, anything with Anointed Procession, right, to make so many tokens.
1: Yep, I I remember dealing with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've played control. I played blue white control in that uh in beta since because that's also what I was playing in uh paper. Mhm. So just built it on an Arena, and it was like, okay, well, if I want to experiment with cards, this is the perfect way to do so.
0: Do you remember what sort of decks you were putting together during those early days of blue-white control?
1: Um, other than that, I actually do not remember what else I put together. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it may have been just blue-white control and possibly something with... It was something really janky. I don't remember. I do know it was, uh, included Brass's Bounty.
0: Oh, Sure. Yeah, definitely. We had, like we had such a limited card pool. We didn't even have all of standard for so long, right? Because there was Kaladesh and Amonkhet, and then eventually they added those blocks in there, but then they took it away after rotation with into Dominaria.
1: Mm-hmm. And then with Dominaria, I believe we also got those special versions of the uh, Planeswalkers.
0: Oh, yeah. The Yes, exactly. They we did the, the, uh, the account.
1: Topper. Yeah, the box-topper versions of uh, Teferi and... Uh, Fraska and Rozeri. No, Teferi and Ralzari. That's who it is.
0: Yeah, that was the cons- the consolation prize right there. Sorry you lost all your cards, but here's some uh, here's some nice looking ones.
1: And at that point was just like, well, they gave me the same amount of Teferi's that I was already playing, so I might as well just rebuild the deck that I was playing.
0: Yeah. So in the amount of uh, time that you've been playing, and I guess also because of your judgeship, what would you say is your skill level somewhere like beginning, intermediate, advanced, somewhere in the middle?
1: So I would probably put myself in the... um, i probably put myself in the intermediate uh, area for a couple reasons. Uh, One, I am still pre... Green to doing draft, uh, despite the fact that that was the format I started with. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as drafting goes, I'm still pretty like green to the uh, idea with newer sets coming out. Mm-hmm. And I don't spend as much time uh, doing builds and wondering what does work and what doesn't work uh, as often as more advanced players would.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I do know my way around decks, how decks work and why they work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that I can pretty much understand. That, pre- that I can pretty much understand why I will be an intermediate player as far as an advanced player. Mm-hmm. And as far as judging, I it also gives me like a different perspective on things uh from what an advanced player would see versus what a judge would see mm-hmm. on how things work or uh, pretty much more of an advantage of from what an intermediate player would see Mm -hmm. on how things work, how things interact. So I actually will put myself in between the intermediate and advance. Yeah. Now that I think about it.
0: I would as well.
1: Yeah, judging definitely has given me a different perspective on how and why things work.
0: Yeah, like it's kind of funny how... On a in, in in a booster of Magic cards, or let's say a Planeswalker deck, they have that one little card that is just like the very quick phases of the turn. And in the old days, they used to print like a 100-page mini little book in those little tournament packs. And Ooh. nowadays, Magic, even after like the great creature update and the 6th edition rules change, and I guess like the the, the next one after that... The game is very complex. It's one of the most complex games. But the core of how you play it about everyone's got a turn, everyone draws a card, everyone plays a land, hopefully, and then you build upon that, that's still, that's attainable for people to understand. But then when you get to all of the nuances and corner cases, that's when it gets, that's when it can get overwhelming. But I think if you've got the mind for it,
1: the little nuances, the small little intricate rules and interactions, that's pretty much where uh, magic becomes complicated. Yeah. But as far as like normal gameplay, it's fairly simple.
0: Yeah, I'm part of a card club at the local college, and we're also we're always getting in new people trying things out, and um, I I usually am the one that's sort of introducing them to everything because the other players like you know uh, they're all they're all. Great guys, but they want to jump right away about like, yeah, this will do this unless it has this, and unless it has that, and it's like, don't overwhelm them with, with so much unless stuff yet. Just play with the, with the, with the two two on the ground or like the one one in the air. Like, don't get it too complex yet. Don't scare them off.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, explain also explain to someone why like fetching and blood moon. Uh, mm-hmm. interactions just don't work.
0: <laughs> well now you're getting way too advanced there.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But um that's uh one of the rules I've had to that's one of the rules I've had to just deal with is uh like okay, well why can't I go get a Lynn even though this is uh, just like all right, let me explain. Mm-hmm. This says no. <laughs> yes. No overrules yes in this game.
2: <laughs> yes
0: isn't that a lot about of it like an individual card sort of like supersedes the basic rules
1: Mm, it's pretty much uh if something's telling you no then whatever was telling you yes is no longer able to tell you yes Mm -hmm. it's you have to ask for permission it's pretty much this game is ask for permission then ask (laughs) for forgiveness
0: (laughs) that's an interesting way to put it yeah well, since I've got you on the podcast, and since, like I said, I believe you might be the only judge that's been on the show, I can ask you a unique question that no one else would get. Can you name like the the most interesting or funny or weird judge moment that you've had while judging?
1: Uh, interesting moment that I've had while judging. Um, actually, I was thinking about an interaction where. I unfortunately made a player sad because Mm. things didn't work the way he thought they did. (laughs) But um, it was a legacy match. I think it was Mm. Grixis Delver versus Merfolk. Mm. And uh, one player plays a... uh, He has a Cavern of Souls on the field, and he taps it. Doesn't announce what kind of man he makes, but he taps it uh, Mm. to play a true name nemesis. Mm-hmm. And his opponent, uh, Force of Wills, to go to counter it. Then I get the judge call. Mm-hmm. And so I had to explain that uh, Cavern of Souls, by default, uh, if you're tapping it for mana, it default picks the color source to make a creature spell uncounterable. Mm-hmm. If it's not a creature that uh, follows the rules of Cavern of Souls, then it will go with the colorless option No. So that was uh, the interesting one I had to deal with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's actually an interesting rule. My one of the judges I helped train deal with was much funnier. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for him, he had to take it. And I was so glad that I didn't have to. <laughs> he got a call and said, uh, Judge, we're going to game two. I just presented my deck and then I realized by looking in my box that I had accidentally cited out a bunch of cards and not put any cards in my deck. Uh. And then they go through counting. It turns out he actually cited his cyborg had like 22 cards. Huh. More than what it should have. More than. So his uh, main deck was missing quite a decent chunk of cards. Yeah. And... We had like a rule put in place before, but this had come during the weekend of that rule being changed. So he mm-hmm. had to figure out exactly how to fix this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So but on the spot, do. he had to do it because there wasn't the official guidance. Is that is that what you mean?
1: The official guidance was changed no. that no. very weekend.
0: No. Do you remember how it all ended up then?
1: Um, pretty much the player had to reveal every card that he was putting back into his deck and then shuffle his deck back up. Hmm. Okay. Well. It's a weird It's a weird new rules change, but before it would have been like a game loss. Yeah. And it, from what the rules are trying to do now, they're trying to like more so come away from like everything being a feel bad moment to mm. like if there's a very different way we can fix it, then let's fix it that way.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good, definitely. There's plenty of opportunities for feel-bad moments in magic, like with the randomness of it sometimes, so I guess it's good that we're trying to reduce it uh, when best is possible, and sort of like, you know, the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and such, and then give give some leeway, so uh, I applaud mm-hmm. the judges that, uh, you know, know all of these rules, but they can also apply them situationally and fairly.
1: Yes. And that's pretty much what separates the levels of judges is uh understanding the rules, then being able to comprehend the rules, and then being able to uh mm-hmm. philosophize why is this a rule.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're just doing it if you're doing it all mechanically, like you might as well just look it up in the oracle or whatever, but here's a person that can interpret it and apply it at that moment so that uh, there's more win-wins in the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. That is true.
0: So, segueing to some gameplay, we've got uh, a standard at the moment on Arena that uh, has a bunch of cards to choose from, but would you be able to pick one or two or so that you're enjoying at the most at the moment?
1: Uh, Nick's Blue Mansion is um, one of my favorite cards from this standard. Oh, okay. Because it is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, First this mana tripler able- ever, right? Yeah, just being able to triple mana uh, on anything is absolutely silly, and pairing it with the new uh, Simic Legendary is Mm -hmm. an absolute—it's hilarious. That's so much math, math right there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You've got uh, the Ancient plus Kinan, and it's like you know some amount of math that I can't even do at the moment.
1: Yes, it's uh, pretty much. Okay, well, I'm going to add um, this kind of mana to this, and then I'm going to triple it, and that is just like, well, what am I going to do with all this mana? Who knows? <laughs> just play everything.
0: Yeah, who needs omniscience? That's uh, in standard. You said you're you're enjoying that, and have you seen people, or have you yourself? That is, have you? used it to its full potential where you've got obscene amounts of mana in a in a timely way i would assume so because in green ramping shouldn't be too much of a problem into that big guy
1: oh of course i've uh, i've abused this uh ability to know him <laughs> i um i actually am still having like a competition with a friend of mine on who can do the most damage per one swing mm. and currently i have him beat by Doing by going into combat and then doing enough damage to an actual another person uh, of over twenty two thousand <laughs> points of damage. It was in ranked. So, and I have the footage of it too. Uh-huh. So, if he ever says that he's come close to it, I have the video to show him. Like, if you haven't beaten this, you haven't won yet.
0: Yeah, you have the receipts. Uh, it was there. Did that somehow add up with the uh, the hydra's growth, perhaps?
1: Uh, was not with Hydra's Girls. Mm, no. It was with multiple copies of Nyx Bloom Ancient and Cura and Nyx uh the Nyx Flower. I forget what it is called. Yeah the, uh, the, Oh yeah. Nick's Lotus. Yeah. Uh just being able to untap and tap that for literal hundreds of mana. <laughs> And then, like, I think as soon as you get three or four, then it becomes actual thousands of mana.
0: <laughs> and then eventually 22,000 or so damage.
1: hmm And all in one swing. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny now that I keep looking at it.
0: Is it is it like a top-pinned video on your channel?
1: It is definitely something that I do have uh, saved in... Starred for my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I pretty much have access to it as soon as I need it.
0: <laughs> so let's take a moment. Let's take a step outside of standard for a moment. And what about any any cards in any other format? We focus on arena here, but we it's all about magic. So like, what do you in any other format? Uh, commander, Pioneer, whatever.
1: Um, favorite card in other formats. Um, uh, well, Commander. All of my favorite cards are banned. <laughs> so. Uh, we can just go ahead and skip that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pioneer, I will probably say um, Panharmonicon is a favorite card mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. And just because of the silly stuff that it can do, and also the fact that there's now a creature version of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So one day that'll probably be a deck that I put together as a, a Yarrick Panharmonicon deck, and then just watch the silliness happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, the only problem is because you have to manage it yourself and you don't... Well, I guess if you do it on Magic Online, it's it's a little easier there. But what do you think about sort of like Ikoria? People are saying that it feels like this is the first uh, like, uh, Arena-exclusive Magic set because there's so many triggers to remember and counters and things that Arena helps you to, to keep track of it all.
1: Oh, yes. Uh once this is probably coming to paper, it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, how many people forget specific triggers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think with the mutated mechanic, it'll be hard to. Because, like, once you stack, I think um, it'll be hard to both remember and forget actually at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be putting a creature on top of it and then you have, like, the text box underneath. But I think that people will forget that it'll trigger each time with that new text box so every mutate uh, oh, yeah. ability goes off mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see
0: that's definitely something that arena doesn't let you forget but when you're on paper uh, hopefully it isn't too far within the chain of events to rewind things or deal with it but yeah definitely you only see that bottom text of it uh where the uh, where the mutate creature might be covering the top of it
1: oh yeah um and i'm um, both excited and scared of hearing those judge calls. On hey, I missed this. What do I do?
0: Yes, or or the or if you try to mutate onto a human,
1: Yep, that doesn't work. Yeah, and uh, then we're gonna have to figure out. Okay, where we, how far, along did we come? Can we rewind this back? And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm going to hear at least five i'm mutated on a human and it's another turn <laughs> no, what
0: do i do yes what about uh, a more complete deck let's start with arena what do you what do you like playing it sounds like you're leaning towards um uh, azorius control but uh, what do you like to play on arena at the moment
1: so currently at the moment i'm all over the place mm. um I do have, as control. It is uh, something I started with and something I'm just pretty familiar with. But I also like playing Gruul. I enjoy my green-red monsters, mm-hmm. being able to just wreck shop and get games done completely. But I also like enjoying Ramp because I like doing big mana things. Mm-hmm. Like, having mana forever just is a great thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Uh, and also, I like reclamation. Uh, that's a deck that I played a lot of in paper standard when it was out, mm-hmm. and I garnered a lot of hate, a, <laughs> a substantial amount of hatred towards my being or constantly going into time. <laughs> However, it was not—it was not my fault. It was the fault of my opponents not being able to stop me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that was usually ending up uh, probably like with a big old explosion expansion, right?
1: Uh, sometimes it would. Uh, other times it would pretty much be I'm locking you with Nexus of Fate. You can mm. do nothing. I've exiled all of your permanents. Uh, go. <laughs> if you play a land and you don't play anything, that land has gone. You might as well just throw it in the exile pile right now and <laughs> we're going to continue this
0: save yourself the aggravation and just exile everything automatically Mm -hmm. but then we got that isn't it interesting how they did like a ban on just was it on best of one arena but it wasn't banned on best of three
1: yes it it was actually pretty uh, funny and interesting like best of one pretty much if you saw this then it was miserable to deal with yeah but there wasn't like there wasn't any answers. It's just that nobody wanted to play the answers. Mm-hmm. Cause the easy answer to Nexus of Fate is syncopate.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I actually let an opponent and I actually showed that to an opponent and they got really, really sad.
0: <laughs> well, it's sort of like the same thing with um uh, Field of the Dead where there were answers, but do you want to play a four-mana land destruction spell? And obviously they stack, and can you do it fast enough? So there are answers, mm-hmm. but sometimes, what do they say? Like, the, the cure is worse than the disease.
1: Yeah, there was pretty much, you either have the four-mana destruction spells where you have Assassin's Trophy, oh, yeah. which just gets them another land.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was just like, these aren't great. And then eventually, Field of the Dead came back and it was just like, well, this is now too late. Yeah. Like, we're glad it's here, but it's kind of late.
0: It had its day. Do you think they would ever go back, and obviously not to the level of, like, power level of sinkhole, but would they go back, do you think Wizards would print uh, more land destruction cards uh, in any future sets? Any viable Um, ones, obviously. Each
1: set is always going to have its uh, land destruction. But each land destruction card... So each land destruction card is always going to be like a four mana destroy target land or artifact type of card. The only difference was uh, Horizons, which had Pillage, which is a three mana card. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's a specialty modern set, not for a standard.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: who knows? Mm-hmm. There are definitely some uh, cards in modern Horizons I would like to see in a standard set. Mm -hmm. Like Defile is a card I would love to see.
2: What
0: does that one do?
1: Uh, Defile is pretty much a card from Modern Horizons, which is one mana target creature gets minus X, minus X, which X is the number of swamps you have. I would love to see that in standards Mm -hmm. just so I can have it in Pioneer.
0: Yeah. Was that one previously printed? Was that a reprint in Modern Horizons or was it new to Modern Horizons? That is new. Hmm. And that's interesting because I was sort of like vaguely thinking it sounded like something familiar that I kind of remember with that minus X based on swamps, but there's just so many cards. They all kind of blend together sometimes or some of the archetypes, but yeah, if they printed it as right. a standard legal, cause that's vaguely devotion. Obviously it doesn't, doesn't, it's not devotion in terms. It's not counting mana pips, but it's vaguely in that wheelhouse.
1: Mm-hmm, and it gets around indestructible very easily. It's, it's mm. a great card. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a card I want like to see uh, in a standard format.
0: In general, what did you think about Modern Horizons in terms of bypassing Standard directly to Modern? Well, just bypassing Standard. Uh, what did you think about like their 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 pro, their pushed level of it, coupled with nostalgia of the whole set?
1: Uh, Modern definitely needed a shakeup at the time. Um, it was just becoming very stale. And Modern Horizons provided exactly that shakeup like it needed. Now, granted, it shook it up a little too hard. <laughs> um, Hogak was a mistake.
0: <laughs> well, you can extend and, that to when when you say free cards are a mistake.
1: Yeah. Um, Hogek specifically was just a mistake. That card <laughs> was absolutely gross. Mm-hmm. And, well, literally and figuratively. Oh, and both how it played and the art—I didn't like the art. It was gross. It grossed <laughs> me out. Yeah. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Urza uh, is was problematic at the time. Kind of, kind of can be said. Still is, but there's other stuff that goes with Urza that makes him a little bit more problematic.
0: Like which uh, which formats is it still kind of problematic? I kind of think of it more in Commander, but uh, a- any more than that.
1: He still shows up pretty prevalently in Modern. Oh, okay. Uh, but Urza isn't the entire problem uh, in the decks that he's in. Because there's all, there's different variations. Like you have Urza with Uro uh, now. Hmm. Because everybody wanted that, right? <laughs> and then you have actual Urza Tron, where it's blue Tron with Urza now. And it's just like, that sounds absolutely like a fun time for <laughs> Everyone involved in this, but the, uh well
0: that's they're... an amazing flavor win because you've got Urza himself plus his power plant, uh mine they and, have Tower.
1: and all the Urza things. Yeah. But like when you look at the list and look at how the it just works you're just like this is gross. <laughs> but no, Urza still sees modern play. Um doesn't see really too much uh play outside of that, I think.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: it did seem like modern horizons had a little bit of everything for everyone except standard even like with popper they had to uh ban arkham's astrolabe because even that mana rock that like well who would have thought snow covered you know snow permanence would have any big meaning again and here you have this mana rock that will uh uh, have to be banned
1: Mm -hmm. just pretty much why would i need to worry about mana fixing now when i have the perfect answer Mm-hmm. and it draws the card
2: oh yes
0: exactly So that, uh, and it's not like the classic Ice Age slow trip where you'd have to wait for the next uh, upkeep to draw the card right? it draws it at that moment now
1: uh, yes it's pretty much uh, once it hits the battlefield you just draw a card
0: yeah I remember back in the beginning those uh, those very first cantrips it was uh, draw a card on the beginning of the next turn's upkeep so you'd have to remember to do it at your opponent's turn
1: mm-hmm uh i think uh mishra's bobble that is from code snap
0: yes mishra's bobble and then there was the original urza's bobble that one's not that one's not modern legal but we've got the mishra's bobble
1: yeah mishra's bobble is still seeing play and the way it's still seeing play right now is even more ridiculous
0: yeah isn't that because Loras is uh able to let you free cast it and recast it over and over
1: Luris is a problem in modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lurus just, yeah, being able to pop a bobble, look at the top of your library, opponent's library, then replay it, and then look at the other library, and then <laughs> next turn just draw two cards is uh, absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I remember the first time that I got to play modern on uh, moto with uh, courier cards, and I had that uh, happen against me, the player was playing Jun and he just did that. I was just like, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. <laughs> like I need an adult. I need an adult.
0: <laughs> I didn't get it that bad, but I did get it when I was uh when someone was just reanimating their uh Johnny's Pride Mate over and over on Arena. But I can definitely see that uh Lurus is uh that nightmare cat is definitely tearing up everything outside of every format.
1: Mm. Now, granted, I was able to uh, get my revenge back on that player because <laughs> I was playing dirty stuff of my own, <laughs> which was a sneak attack with Luca. Huh. So pretty much I had a uh, hexproof creature that I couldn't deal with. I think it was a Grilled Spellbreaker on my turn, and that gross Spellbreaker became an Emmercule all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the new sneak attack on a creature... I mean, uh, sorry, the, the new sneak attack on a Planeswalker.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty much okay. Well, you have a and it's to 5-6, and this 3-3 three, three is not going to be able to deal with it, but what about this 15-15?
0: <laughs> and all for the outlay of 5 mana and a minus 2.
1: All for the low cost of 5.
0: Yeah. Very fair magic.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were doing unfair stuff. I was doing oh, unfair yeah. stuff it's pretty much whose unfair stuff is winning
0: yeah well that's how that is right uh on some of these formats it's we all know where we're all gonna do unfair degenerate stuff it's just like who does it better or who top stack it better
1: mm. however i've been seeing luris in uh, vintage and that's that's the pinnacle of unfair yeah
0: oh well, that's
1: being able to crack lotus play lures and then get back lotus is that's <laughs> that's a degenerate format
0: Yes. I was just listening to some podcasts and they were mentioning that exactly that it's uh that uh that nightmare cat is running rampant. Uh so mm-hmm. we'll see how it is when it's when it's on paper.
1: Oh, it's easily going to uh, I think it's probably going to either be restricted or banned as a companion mm-hmm. for vintage.
0: Well, yeah, because if you're is it is it a is it vintage or legacy which is the one that you that when it's restricted it's one of each but then obviously
1: that's you know, a vintage
0: that's vintage so that's not really going to hit it because you only need the one although it being they, do you think they might make a special rule because if it's if it's restricted you can only have one but yeah I'll have that one in my in my companion slot so that doesn't really fix it
1: there may be a special rule, made a special banning specifically for vintage, as that card cannot be a companion. Hmm.
0: Well, we'll see what uh, we'll see what shakes up as as we as we play these cards more and more. So. We talked about kind of like an interesting moment judging earlier, but what about any other sort of uh, focused on Arena? Any cool, fun, weird moment that you've had on Arena? Uh,
1: back and forth, we've. Uh, I was talking about me and a friend basically just seeing who can do the most damage in one single attack over mm-hmm. and over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all started with me doing, I think, like 400 damage over and then he came back and was like well I did 800 and I was like okay well I did 900 well I did 15 and it's just like okay well fine I did 2,000 over well I did 27 over okay here's 22,000 over
2: yeah.
1: and I haven't heard from him since <laughs> So he's probably still working on it or he's trying to figure out like how how it works
0: Yeah, or maybe trying to figure out how to fake that footage
1: If they fake the footage, I'll just find a way to beat that as well. Yeah. And I actually also had another good moment where uh, an opponent learned that uh, Tameo has a very interesting static ability that uh, Croxa cannot get past.
0: Hmm. Let's see, what's that one again? The.
1: So, Tameo, Collector of Tales, uh, says her static ability is. Spells or abilities that call you to sacrifice creatures or discard cards do not happen.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: And my opponent, who played a croak, trying to get cards out of my hand, uh, saw the little red ring vibrating from (laughs) her and then learned a very valuable lesson. Yeah. That they paid two mana to do absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. Except, I guess, put something in the graveyard for later.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's very much cool. You. Two mana to play a spell that does that just has no text box, (laughs) yeah. You uh, play it later,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. it has cool art though, but it didn't really affect the game.
1: (laughs) You played a sorcery spell, nothing,
0: yeah. It was even uh, it did even less than that one, uh, one with nothing.
1: (laughs) You paid more mana to put a card in the graveyard, Mm -hmm. awesome. And then once they figured it out, and it was just like, cool, so I guess I now need have to protect Tamio at all costs Yeah, uh, for the rest of this match.
2: Mm.
0: Definitely these Planeswalkers with static abilities, the space that they went towards of Planeswalkers had been around a decade or so. And now what else can we do with them? Because they might have perhaps fallen into the, into the template of the plus one, maybe card, minus two x whatever kill a thing minus ultimate you win the game so they
1: seem to be like a format for a lot of the blue planeswalkers. blockers
2: yeah
1: it's pretty much what it was, it was like plus one draw plus three removal minus or ultimate just win the game
2: yeah
0: so it was pretty cool that they went with these static things and that one i had said earlier do you think that akoria is like the the online focused set well war of the spark I had the the static Planeswalker abilities that I'm sure in your in your career saw so many people calling you over to fix something that happened because of a static ability.
1: It was always to fairy. <laughs> it was always to fairy. Not Narset either? It was it was, ne- it was never a Narset. Uh. Well, it was not as much Narset, it was specifically to fairy. Yeah. It was I play this. My opponent's turn. They have to ferry out. What do we do? Yeah. Or I uh, play this. Or I play this. As instant speed. Or I cascade it into this. My opponent <laughs> has to ferry out. It was always to ferry that caused the issue.
0: <laughs> was I'm sure there was like no easy fix most of the time. You had to probably replay the steps and then make some sort of executive decision.
1: It was. Can we rewind this? And if not, how do we figure out how to fix it from here? Mm -hmm. It was always a different situation, but Teferi was the main cause of it. Teferi's static ability is problematic.
0: Yeah. Let's see how many more he has on Corset 21, Teferi edition.
1: Yeah, we shall see. But I don't know. Didn't uh, uh, 2020 came after war or before war, didn't it?
0: It was after war. Yeah, uh, war was in April, and then sometime in the summer was 2020.
1: Okay, but um, if we didn't see any static abilities on... uh, Oh, wait, no, the Big Chandra did have a static ability. Never mind. (laughs) So, yeah, probably like the uh, Big Teferi will have a static ability, and the other ones won't. Mm Mm-hmm
0: do you know if it's gonna go in that route where we had like you know Corsa course 2020 chandra edition do you know if we're gonna have like a bunch of teferis in 2021
1: well it says uh i know it said it's gonna be Teferi focus mm-hmm. um and if it's gonna be anything like how they did with chandra it may be the same mm-hmm. um but who knows specifically uh we'll just have to wait and find out really
0: I thought it was kind of cool that they had, like, Chandra's various ages when she's first, uh, whatever, Apprentice, and then, like, Acolyte of Flame and so forth. And that might be kind of cool to see Teferi, uh, like, through his various uh, ages of development.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd actually like to see, uh, I would like to see it. I know a lot of people are definitely dreading, like, multiple Teferis, but I personally, Teferi's one of my favorite Planeswalkers, so I would definitely want to see it. Mm -hmm.
0: do you have like the the old uh, mono blue I believe do you have that earlier Teferi
1: Um, I think so somewhere Uh, Mage of Yeah, I do believe I have a copy somewhere Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that's cool that's a character that's been around a long time
1: where that somewhere is I don't know because I have cards all over the place
0: yeah Same here on the other side of my desk. Over here I've got all these cards laid out where I was going to build yet another commander deck that I can't play with anyone in real life with.
1: I actually had to like put my cards in a very specific spot so that they wouldn't be at my desk so I wouldn't fidget with them all the time. (laughs) And then uh, earlier today I ended up buying more cards so (laughs) I didn't quite follow through on that.
0: Yeah. Well that's okay. I think I bought some cards as well that I'm waiting for so we're all guilty.
1: I was just at the store and just like, oh, they have Modern Horizon packs. I'll pick these up. (laughs) And next week, um, next week actually we'll be streaming myself doing a choreo box openings because that's when the set comes out physically and my LGS will have some. So that'll be interesting.
0: Very good. So definitely since you're in the intermediate to advanced level of things what sort of advice would you give to people starting off playing magic it seems that we're getting more of an influx even before the pandemic and stay at home and all of that more people were playing magic especially on arena and then transferring hopefully to the lgs's so what advice would you give to new players
1: uh realize that everything is going to be an investment uh for what you do like if you're wanting to get into streaming you're gonna make some. You're gonna have to make some investments in not only yourself but everything that you do, mm-hmm. um, such as like what you stream with. You're gonna to have to invest uh, some time in making sure that you have the proper gear, yeah, or um, anything as simple as the chair that you're using. If you like, if you're going to be streaming for a long period of time, make sure your chair is very comfortable. I Definitely have had uh, that that I've had to work on, and I now have a very comfortable chair—one that I fall asleep in, actually, way too often. Than I would like to admit, but <laughs> it is very comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if you want to like become very serious at it, you're going to have to invest in quite a bit of gear. Like, just do your research on like how you're streaming yourself. Uh, what cameras are you? is your lighting good? Do you need additional lighting? All that stuff you're going to have to invest something. It just depends on how much you want to invest and how seriously you take it.
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah, I think because it's so easy for everyone to set up a YouTube or a Twitch and download the software and yeah, I'm the best player in my local play group. People just want to jump on and be the next, you know, insert big name here, but you're right about that. That even some of that basic stuff, in terms of what's your gear, what's your setup like? Are you going to need lights? Are you going to need a good chair? Does it squeak too much? And uh, and all of that. I think people don't take that into account until perhaps they're a little bit too far into it and they're not getting perhaps traffic that they want. And then they they say, "Well, was it? Was it worth it for me?" They might not have put that initial investment to be able to answer it properly.
1: Mm-hmm. And that uh, could become a uh pretty big problem yeah uh, problem that could be easily remedied, but it would just take some more uh, time to more time and more investments yeah but uh streaming and streaming and getting into this is all pretty much trial and error it's pretty much what works for you once you figure it out then you'll be fine
0: yeah, I agree. Uh, when I first started streaming Arena, it was definitely trial and error. I always had like uh, an interest in video and photography and all of that. And I had a YouTube channel for years before that and always growing and learning. And And it, it does matter your tools to a lot of degree and then also your own mentality of it. And hopefully also you have that willingness to hear criticism and uh, act upon it.
1: Mm-hmm. Engaging with uh, people who like come into your channel, uh, who give you some feedback on your channel is very important. Because it shows you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and what more people want to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes people, they they want to play. Obviously, everyone wants to play well and and win. But when you're doing streaming, that's almost even secondary. If you're going to do the grind, you probably should do it while you cannot be sniped so you really want to uh focus on the on the showmanship aspect of it uh in in streaming instead of like the excellent game gameplay aspect of it
1: yeah you can do that playing well on stream is uh almost kind of secondary because um, you also have to be entertaining like you have to have a reason why people are why people are here to pretty much watch? Yeah, um, it's not just playing well. You also have to keep their attention for when you're not playing well. Hmm. Like, be irritating, be goofy, or provide insight uh, to decks. Uh, pretty much capture their attention and keep it. That's basically what you are looking for.
0: Yeah, you need your hook or your gimmick because uh, everyone can be a streamer. So, what's different about you? What's unique about you?
1: Mm-hmm. like mine um, I have quite a bit of uh, mine I do a lot I joke a lot and I'll usually like get very hyped at very hyped moments <laughs> other times I'll be playing like very the whole theme of mine is uh like I have a vaporwave feel so I will be playing like some music in the background that's related to that my entire setup and layout is set around being like a vaporwave personality Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much how a lot of people like see me and like know how i interact with them and how i'm trying to make my stream special
2: Mm -hmm. very good
1: you see a lot of bright color colorful pastel colors things and some like very old like anime or gifs or hmm. a lot of '90s oriented stuff. You'll definitely see that.
0: Oh, cool! You're talking my language. I I love the the, the '90s stuff. You know, growing up with with that. Um, well, Disney Afternoon was like more like late '80s, but yeah, the '90s stuff. Um, pro- I'm probably a little older than you, but my '90s stuff for me is like uh, what was it, Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, and the the first generation of. Um, the nickelodeon stuff
1: oh well, no that's 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 definitely my age group because oh, okay. uh, i'm very truly a 90s child and i grew up absorbing all of that mm-hmm. i remember the first time when i played like an original nintendo and mm-hmm. then immediately getting a sega like mm-hmm. when those came out mm-hmm. and playing the very first sonic the hedgehog when it came out because it came out a year like yeah. after i was born uh-huh. And then, like every video game system after that, and then like memories of like Cartoon Network and yeah. Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, when Toonami first started, when yeah. Adult Swim first started, mm-hmm. all those things. I, that's my age group. Yeah,
0: yeah. You just, you know, woke up a prime, a primeval part of my brain. You reminded me of the uh, the Green Hill Zone from the first Sonic game.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Again, I am a '90s child through and through. Like that's just, and that's pretty much what I reflect on my entire uh, stream is. Yeah. All that like nostalgia that I literally grew up in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good a good angle. In that, it's it's authentic. It's your personality. It's what you like, and it's also what you show off in your in your streams. So I think you've uh, you've tapped into you know, that very uh, that advice that you just give. You you practice what you preach.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: nice so the uh, the game that we love playing Magic um, let's be a couple of uh, armchair quarterbacks and perhaps talk about like ways that things could be improved and in terms of the game the community the cards the company like anything at all like what's an aspect perhaps that could be improved of all of this
1: uh, definitely more thorough testing of cards would be an improvement, not just for like standard, mm-hmm. but literally every format. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand like certain testing groups are like, oh, well, how does this card work uh, in standard and in draft or in sealed? Okay, if it's like too much, then we tone it down a bit. If not, then we will let it go as is. There definitely needs to be like another group that tested for eternal formats, because mm-hmm. then, then we won't have situations like, okay, well, this card was barely playable in standard, but like in modern, oh boy, here it is,
2: yeah,
1: or in legacy, oh my goodness, this card is destroying everything, yeah. Like, we won't have people complaining about like, oh, well, I played a cryptic command and they just veiled, submerged, and uh, annihilated the, and pretty much. <laughs> Invalidated this four mana spell that i invested so heavily into with yeah. one green mana yeah or going back to earlier lurus in vintage yeah paradoxical outcome in vintage
2: mm-hmm.
1: where power is a thing and power is mostly comprised of artifacts and paradoxical outcome just like okay well Tap four of my mana rocks that I play for free to bounce them back into my hand and play again next turn. Also, I draw four cards so I can play more stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Would you say there Uh, needs to be, then, a critical mass of people playing? Like, I don't think we really know how many people test, and they're probably just, of course, just really laser-focused on standard draft. Um, But what do you think is, like, a good amount of people to be able to try to spot some of these issues in all of the formats?
1: Mm, I would say that there definitely should be more. Well, I wouldn't say like uh, just like the group that tests now isn't doing that great of a job. I'd say there needs to be different groups for different formats. Like to be able to have a laser focus on what does this do for the format that I know so Mm well.
0: And what do you think about getting like people that are known in the community as the vintage player or, you know, this player xyz what do you think about getting them like having them as outside contractors or whatever as these are the people that play these formats so these are the people we're going to rely on to uh, to help us test the cards
1: that would help because those will be the people who uh like they invest so much they'll probably be like i've played this format so many uh, x amount of years i've written articles about it i've done videos on it i've placed in these tournaments for this format uh in certain spots. Those are the people who know the format very well will be people who've played it so long and dedicated so much time to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, let the pros be pros and help make the game better.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the thing.
0: So on the flip side, let's say, what is, if you can narrow it down, what is one thing you love about magic in all forms?
1: Uh, the camaraderie. There's pretty much. Magic is a game where you can basically go into almost any community and relate to everyone in there. Hmm. Like it's a game where I play, and I'll tell people like, "Yeah, I play magic," and other people who play magic is just like, "Oh, you're also a magic player, so I want to talk to you about that da, 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 and so on and so forth." And then you are able to, like, establish relationships, like, pretty quickly and easy like that. Mm-hmm. Magic is such a player-friendly – well, not player-friendly, but it allows uh, more players to be able to just have, like, a big – be a part of, like, something huge, like this huge community. And it, I've met so many uh, people, met so many of my friends through it and I would not have changed anything. Like, going back from when I first started playing to now, I think the only thing I probably would have changed was uh, picking better cards at various (laughs) different times. But other than that, nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the gathering part of Magic the Gathering, which we're lacking a little bit, but when we hopefully get into some normalcy at some point, we can keep that all going and keep these friendships and maybe rivalries and such going um, with more magic
1: yeah um, while we may not be able to gather physically there's still other venues of people gathering like there's multiple face group groups Facebook groups I know people are still playing on Discord because mm-hmm. um, I know my local groups on Discord um, there's Arena uh, you can actually chat now through the Arena clients yeah. who you're friends with so that's a pretty nice thing to do. Um, just because we are able to gather physically doesn't mean we aren't able to gather. We're definitely still able to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. Well, we've talked a lot about magic. And obviously, it's the best hobby that anyone can have. But I guess other hobbies exist. Would you like to tell us about anything else you're into that is non magic related?
1: So I'm a very big gamer. I play video games pretty much, almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just uh, bought a video. i actually just bought a game that I like to play uh, for a friend of mine called Black Future '88, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of in the aesthetic that I usually have for my uh, for my style. Like I'm a big vaporwave type person but this is a synthwave based game so it's kind of like that gritty dark 80s feel like dark in the alley or like driving down a night florida street in a camaro leather jacket style of game Hmm. where you pretty much like you're trying to navigate through this area taking out bosses it's a pretty fun game And it's kind of hard to describe without, like, you actually looking at it. But it is a game that I saw, like, get announced for a Switch. And I was like, I have to have this game. Mm -hmm. I immediately have to have this game. Then I completely forgot about it. And I found out that it was released months ago. I was just like, oh, well, cool. I'm buying this game now, and I'm going to play it. Yeah. But um, as far as that, I've also been... I've been playing video games pretty much, I'd say, 90% of my life. Yeah. Um, be it from when I probably picked up my first con- Nintendo controller at a very young age to when I got into competitive video gaming, which would be... Mm. Uh, I think the first competitive video game we got into was uh, Smash. Yeah. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawls, when I first started playing, like, very competitive and now where any video game I play, I'll just stream. If I'm not playing magic or if I'm just not feeling magic uh, at a certain time, mm-hmm. it'll just be video games. Yeah. But other than that, and another thing I mentioned earlier from what else I was doing, I cook a lot mm-hmm. and it is one thing that I absolutely love to do is cook. Uh, And there will actually be a stream for that starting once I get all my equipment in, once everything starts shipping again. Yeah. But uh, I absolutely just love to cook. I've been cooking since I was 16. Oh, cool. So this will be going on 13, 14 years now. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's pretty much my, if I needed a break from electronics, this is what I do is a thing of a recipe or a thing of something I want to make and I'll just go make it. Mm -hmm.
0: That's definitely the opposite of of all of these hobbies in terms of, okay, so magic, you've got these paper cards or the digital ones and then video games. Well, that's a very techie thing. And the opposite, which is also very cool, is the cooking aspect of it and that's really cool. Um, I was taking a quick look at your at your Twitch where you were setting yourself up for a a cooking stream, so I hope you get all of that worked out and I, I wanna see that. I wanna see people. I wanna see people that are gamers that are also into cooking and see what they put together. Do you have like a signature dish maybe?
1: Uh signature dish, um I do it is my macaroni and cheese actually. Hmm. Um because my the way I make it I make it with so much cheese. Yeah. And I make sure that it's just all gooey. Yeah. And it's absolutely. I've taken so many different pictures of it. I've gotten my recipe down pat. I use probably for like my very special, like holiday mac and cheese, because there's a difference between my normal and Mm -hmm. like the big one. Mm -hmm. Uh, My holiday mac and cheese usually uses about like eight to 10 different cheeses. Oh, cool. And it's just. Like, I've been told that I'm now responsible for making mac and cheese for every family gathering. Uh, <laughs> You've been drafted. It. Like, it's, it's it's all on me now. Yeah. But uh, I actually just did, and unfortunately I didn't uh, get any recording of it because I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. But I actually just did a uh, brisket mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And for the first time of me making that, it actually turned out very well. It well, it, it might me. have
0: been the first time you making that dish, but with all of the years of experience that you've had in cooking, I don't, I don't doubt that it would have come out good. If, if if there was a if there was a newbie like, yeah, I'm about to make a brisket for the first time ever, and plus I don't cook, then yeah, it'd be a, a disaster. But you that have the experience, I wouldn't be too worried.
1: It actually reminds me as soon as this interview is done, actually have to go brine the next piece of brisket. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, cooking's a really cool. Aspect of things, I, I like that as well myself. I, I just earlier today I was making a lasagna, uh, I was me- making a keto focused lasagna. So instead of the pasta, which of course I love the pasta, but I'm trying to do keto uh, recently. I uh, it was a um, it was an egg and cheese based faux pasta and then you know the 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 ricotta and the the meat and everything in there so that came out really well better than i thought it was the first one i had made it it was the first time i had made it but uh, i also like you have been cooking for a while and it's a fun extra hobby
1: i've actually uh, done a fair amount of keto cooking myself a Mm -hmm. couple years ago when i was doing it Mm -hmm. and um unfortunately my schedule just got completely wrecked so i wasn't able to keep up with it yeah but um yeah, I definitely keto presents like a whole bunch of new challenges. But yeah. you get rewarded pretty well uh like working through those challenges.
0: Yeah, exactly. The like the big one there of the of the pasta, you know, a, a focus on on like low to zero carbs and like this is something that was in the classic cooking required some sort of grain or whatever, but how do we Find an alternative to it that fits within the diet, and the like you said, the rewards then are, are great when they add up.
1: Mm-hmm. And cheese becomes a very vital ingredient.
0: Yeah, and with so many to choose from, you're not going to get tired of it.
1: Oh yeah, I, I've been. i don't know how much cheese I've eaten. Since <laughs> I still enjoy cheese.
0: Yeah, during this quarantine, when I stop by on the weekends or so to the grocery store. I, I browse that cheese aisle and and I say, well, I never had this one, and I might as well get it now. You know, maybe sometimes you get in a uh, in a, in a pattern of things, but now because a lot of us have a lot more time, and if we're cooking for ourselves, it, uh, especially, then it's like, well, this let's try this, uh, you know, semi-soft cheese over here, or this try this goat cheese, or this one that I can barely pronounce. Yeah, I'll put it in the cart.
1: Mm, and I know a whole bunch of people saying like. From the quarantine, there's just been like a lot of people making bread. I actually have not made any bread yet. Yeah, like I have a recipe, and I've been meaning to do so for a while. I just haven't gotten to it. Mm-hmm.
0: I have heard that, yeah, that uh, the uh, the bread renaissance is here, and that there's some that you don't need the yeast for because I don't know if that's still um, in low supply. But people were making like yeastless, um, yeastless breads.
1: Yeah, i have actually on Twitter. I've been seeing a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of Magic players making bread. Yeah. It, it's actually kind of funny.
0: Magic the breadening.
1: Magic the breadening <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> yes. But yeah, outside of that, uh, pretty much it's gaming and cooking, and sometimes those two worlds meet for me.
0: Yeah, and that's the good thing about it, that if you're able to do both, well, uh, I'm going to play for a little while, and then maybe, like, things are not working at the moment, so I'm going to go cook for a while, and then now I've got food so that when I play next time, I've got food to, to snack on and play at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: circle of life. Well, King, as we wind down, any final thoughts, uh, let's say, on Ikoria in general? How are you liking the set overall?
1: Uh, overall I do enjoy the set. Um I would like to see more representation of some of the campaigns like I like to see more Lutri uh mm-hmm. decks pop up because that is a campaign that I think that definitely could use more representation. Um Obash is one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Uh and so is a uh, Kahir. I like those two. Mm-hmm. Gyuda is becoming more, well, was becoming a pretty big problem at one point, and then it just stopped. Lores <laughs> um, is actually not as prevalent in Standard as yeah people thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, I see Yorian a lot.
1: Like, Yorian and Karuga are the bigger two. Mm-hmm. And Karuga, pretty much being paired with uh, Fire's deck, is yeah. just a thing.
0: Yeah. I, I noticed that you mentioned Kahira. That's my favorite one. But just because I, my kind of style of gameplay, uh, I forgot to say earlier, but I, I, I think I'm kind of like intermediate like low intermediate or so but i like more like the style of uh like tribal decks and decks with stipulations so like uh, companions are exactly that if you want this card to be your companion you've got these stipulations and i kind of also just like doing meme decks and jank decks but you know of course i try to climb the ladder and i'm proud that i've been able to get to uh diamond three i think one time but um kahira is one that i like simply because i like to put together cat tribal decks in standard whenever i can and we've got a lot of cats at the moment and some of them are pretty fun and so with kahira there you've got that auto include cat lord on turn three that's going to give them all vigilance and plus one well cats what is it cats nightmares beasts blah blah, blah. it gives so many things the plus
1: i play kahira with elementals oh yeah mm-hmm. because being able to now finally have a um an aggressive or an early attacking leafkin druid is pretty great. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that little zero three is now doing even more than just giving you mana.
1: Mm-hmm. And now to one four, and also um, it uh, pumps beasts up, so arbor grazer becomes like an actual yeah. thing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. All of those uh, those mana dorks with zero power. Uh, I guess uh, gilded goose doesn't count with kahira but that's just just so much fun when you see these zero x mana dorks actually have some kind of power and it's like uh you don't you, you don't expect that uh you know i thought that bad goose was in the other game but here it is coming at me
1: mm-hmm. and also it has retook can start of picking off uh, all your x1 flyers
0: yeah yeah if you look closely at the art of that arboreal grazer it sort of looks like a familiar type of Creature, but then you look at it in the face and it's weird, but then the body's kind of familiar, but then it also reaches and it's on a branch. That is really like uh, a perfect mishmash creature.
1: Yeah, it definitely uh, is a weird creature, but it's adorable.
0: Yeah. What do you think about that in terms of like the the cute level of Ikoria? I personally like it. I, I like that magic can be everything for everyone and like badass creatures here with, you know, skeletons and zombies. And then over here we've got... The like cute, cuter stuff of like, you know, what's that one card about that little cat avenging its dead parent cat, whatever that one's called. And then you've got the extreme aspect of it. Okay, now you got My Little Pony cards as well. I kind of like that you can have a little bit of magic for everyone, and I'm not just, I'm not a player that's like, well, it's got to be grim and gritty. I think it's magic's for everyone.
1: Oh no, it's really hard to defend like magic being grim and gritty when you have uh, very popular cards like a. Fibblethip, mm-hmm. or uh, Hippogriff, I believe that's what it's called. Mm. And you also have uh, Fibblethip. Yeah. If you can't say that magic is grim and gritty and you have Fibblethip constantly getting lost and being like, as cute <laughs> as he is.
0: Yeah. So which one do you like better, the, the small Fibblethip or the swole Fibblethip?
1: Fibble um, I gotta like the small one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, same here. I thought they gave him too many, too much six pack on his own card. But I liked him when he's the the on the totally lost one or the other, grim spectacle or whatever. I kind of like him being cute and small rather than kind of tough looking on on his own card.
1: Yeah, it's just like how did he? And you look at it, it just like how did he get up the statue?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't it the theory that he's a planeswalker, but he just doesn't know it?
1: He just planeswalks walks from. Area to area, he just doesn't know. Understand?
0: Yeah, he
1: is. No, that totally would kind of be scary. Just like randomly, planes walking places.
0: Well, I thought I saw something about that. The Wanderer has something about that that she or they can't fully control it, or something like that. Am I imagining that?
1: I don't know. I definitely want to see. Uh, I want to see more about the Wanderer. Yeah something that i would like to uh delve more into, like story-wise to try to figure out like who is the wanderer what their identity is Mm -hmm. how they really play like their part in magic and things like that Mm
0: -hmm. that's the whole other aspect of magic and where we've been talking about the cards and mechanics and all of that but then there's that whole lore and the art and the vorthos of it all that i that i know that i enjoy um and um keeps the game fresh
1: the lore is very deep. Yeah, like even with uh, Planeswalkers coming out, uh, or just certain Planeswalkers returning, um, there's still like so much lore that they have in their background. Like, it's amazing, and there's still things that haven't even been out in years that people are still talking about. <laughs> yeah. That people are still like wondering, like, well, what's going to happen with this, or what update has this had mm-hmm. because we're still trying to figure out like what are the Phyrexians doing now that we have no like big bad really anymore
0: yeah or then like the perpetual question about uh, what about the Raven Man and all of that other stuff
1: and what about this uh, mysterious person that uh was haunting Liliana like mm-hmm. who are these new demons that she's making she might be baking packs with Mm-hmm. Um there's just so much to like really fall back on and really do research on. And the story wise, I absolutely love it. Like mm-hmm. Khan's story pretty much pulled me in pretty hard. i read the I read that entire story. Uh from the different clans to the whole Nexus of switching around timelines and then mm-hmm. the dragons taking control. That story pulled me in pretty hard.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got to go back and read that one because I started my sort of lore of it after I got back in um, with uh, with Amonkhet, so there's still a whole bunch of story to go back in and enjoy so I'm, uh, probably I'll do that one next uh, from your recommendation
1: mm-hmm. and also uh, the Battle for Zedekar was actually also pretty interesting because um, now we know uh, we know a little bit more about the Blind Eternities Hmm. Uh, but there's still so much we don't know about the blind eternities Mm
2: -hmm.
1: where like you just we still don't know like why is it here what else is out there if these giant three titans of Eldrazi came from there and they're just like a speck Hmm. then what else could the blind eternities possibly hold there's so much yeah, and I honestly just want to know more about it.
2: Yeah.
0: Same here. Keep that lore coming and um, keep the cards coming and new sets and and everything. So Mm -hmm. let's remind the listeners then where can they check you out online?
1: So online, um, pretty much every medium I could possibly have gotten my hands on. So that would be Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch. Uh, I am King Omni. On Twitch, I'm King underscore Omni. On Twitter, my Twitter name is actually different and I uh, don't plan on changing that. It is (laughs) Carpe underscore Omnia. It is pretty much a play on uh, Carpe of Sees everything. Sees uh, the day. Sees everything. Mm -hmm. So K A R P E underscore Omnia. For my personal. Twitter, for my judge Twitter, it is at vaporwave judge.
0: Oh, very good. So you've got a presence just about everywhere, and um, I can't wait for your page also on uh, you know allrecipes so that I can see what you're up to there.
1: <laughs> I will uh, definitely start putting some putting some stuff up there. Um, <laughs> I definitely will try to see if I can get once I get my entire setup done. I will definitely be uploading on youtube as well yeah very cool it's not going to be quite binging with badger's quality but i mean i'm i'm just working with the kitchen that i got
0: yes well he's also got the uh the gimmick about let's recreate food from like famous things
1: Mm -hmm. his kitchen is amazing i'm absolutely jealous of it
0: yeah yeah his style is pretty cool too in in that like he's doing like a Narration voiceover, but he's actually kind of on the camera, but you don't see his face, but he's talking to you, and it's, well, it's you a, see his face it's every f- now and then,
1: yeah, when he uh, when he takes a bite, when he takes a bite, or he uh, has to look at something. Oh, yeah, sometimes he'll make mistakes and uh, hurt himself,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't the YouTube algorithm funny? Like, you see one or two things on a topic, and then suddenly, well, here's everything about that topic.
1: Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's pretty much where I am. Uh, I usually stream Monday through Thursday, starting at 7.30 Eastern. Mm-hmm. And I usually play until like I either get tired or there's just not much else to do or there's no fan interaction. So I just yeah. pretty much play until whatever.
0: Cool. I will put all your links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Um, as for myself, I'm also streaming. I just uh, stream once a week, though, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. That's on YouTube and Twitch. Just search for VM compos you'll find me there. I've got a Twitter account. I'm uh, posting a Drawing a Day challenge, so every day I'm trying to draw something. I'm putting it on my Twitter, and... Um, that's also just VM Compos. I've got a website, VMCompos.com, although I don't update it as much as I should. I've got a Patreon. People can follow for free on Patreon to be alerted to whatever I do uh, regarding magic or comic books, my other big hobby, cosplay, San Diego Comic-Con, etc. Or, of course, I've got various tiers and rewards on Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash So... King Omni, I am going to go seize everything right after this. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.